You are listening to the Serial Entrepreneurs and Business Leaders podcast, where we study billionaires and simplify their nuggets of wisdom. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the Serial Entrepreneurs and Business Leaders podcast, where we break down what it is that has made these billionaires so successful. Today, we are finding out how you can make a successful podcast, how you can maximize the success of your podcast. We've got a fantastic guest on today, Alexander Zimmerman. He's been creating podcasts since 2014. He's made over 200 episodes on one podcast, uh, and he's just an all-around genuine great guy. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and I hope you get a lot out of it. So it's great to have you on, Alex. I'd love to hear how you approach your podcast. I try to have it be fairly loose and conversational. So it means that I have to be listening so that when they do say something that I can jump in on and dig deeper about or ask them deeper questions about, I'm, I'm ready for that. I'm not just yeah. like waiting for my next question in a sense, you know, I'm not, just, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and like letting the conversation flow 100%. Long form content, you can get so much more nuance out of it. You can ask like very specific questions and you can get nerdy about things and it doesn't have, whereas the short stuff, you're just trying to sound bite it. And yeah. sometimes it's, it's like really hard to, to edit and find the right sound. It's really difficult. Did you just started your podcast? This is new. So this would be the, the second episode. So that's one of the other reasons why I'm excited to speak to you because you've got so much more experience with it. Like I feel like I'm going to learn lot, in lots of different ways, Not maybe not just about businesses, maybe about podcasts as well. As well, I was going to mention like, you're you're talking about like long form content i feel like that's not a bad thing like if you are like really into that long form content like having that kind of specialism is probably a good thing because then that is just kind of that area that you just get really good at and attract an audience that also likes that kind of content well i do youtube as well I find youtube is better for shorter content in a lot of ways although interesting like i guess with youtube it's kind of going the other way a bit i guess have you seen sort of shane dawson and some of the stuff that he's been doing 40 minutes to an hour long um been doing super well i think it's based on the level of like kind of fame, I guess, to put it, that you mm, have already. If you're true. starting out, yeah. you're not going to be able to engage an audience. But if you have a name, if your brand is already strong, mm. you can pretty much do whatever you want anywhere you want. But it's that, that, is true. that starting out level where you're trying to build your brand, I, I think you should really consider what what you're how you're using each platform and, and use them very specific to what will probably work the best do you think that there is like a you have to really think about the content that you're creating and and then perhaps like really nail a specific niche um and keep the content super super focused then as well yeah i definitely agree with that i i personally don't uh, i have a hard time with that just i'm learning to do that like my youtube especially is all over the map and like where, where my podcasts I have three active podcasts and wow. each, each one is very specific to that theme. But on YouTube, it's just kind of like this shotgun approach <laughs> that <laughs> I don't, cause I've always hoped with YouTube, I kind of hope that it's me that gets the views or I have to build up my personal brand through something else that I never mm. did on YouTube. I didn't create a show that attracted an audience because it was a tech show or because it was a movie review show or because of, you know, whatever it might've been. I, I went straight for, Hey, listen to me because I'm me and just some random dude that, you know, why would you ever listen to me? Yeah. It's kind of hard to, to not fall down that trap though. Cause when you have these ideas and then you're like, Oh, that could be a really cool video and you want to pursue it. But then, yeah, then you just kind of, 
the consistency Which, just gets shot. So I'm feeling like this kind of this idea of the podcast with what you're doing, I believe, is like the success of being kind of entrepreneurial and um, business oriented. You inspired me to to think about this idea, doing a lot of things I got caught up in for a long time. But what I've recently kind of realized is to treat like you would a business, you kind of, you start with like a mission statement for that mm. business in a lot of ways. Like what is this, this business is all about. So doing the same thing for yourself, I think is valuable. Like what is your personal mission statement? And then deciding what are the things that in your life that align with that like whatever, and it can change as time goes on. Like maybe over the next couple of years, you realize something different. But for the time being, you say like, this X is my mission statement. And so mm -hmm. everything that I'm doing, I ask myself, how does that idea I just came up with align with that mission statement? And that's, yeah. that's what I think you should pursue in those moments. And I'm just starting to learn that. So it kind of helps alleviate that, that what you just mentioned, that kind of like, so many different ideas right it's like because we all have tons of ideas oftentimes the excuse is well i have so many ideas well you gotta pick one right you gotta pick something mm. you know you have to go you have to decide on something eventually because you can actually physically only do one thing at a time no one can actually do two things at once or more than two things at once it's the ability to switch between things and how fast you can switch is really yeah. what multitasking is and I have no ability to do that. I really wanted to ask something on relation to that because like when we were talking about consistency, like in my mind, I was thinking about like algorithms and stuff like that and just like trying to maximize that. But what you came in and said was completely different and it was kind of really interesting was like drawing it back to like mission statements and almost like the purpose of the podcast. And that's a completely different way of looking at it. So how much of a part does a mission statement play? Do you feel like each of your podcasts and the content you create is there for like a, a really specific purpose. And do you also think that that purpose is the driving force, the thing that's almost necessary for content to be successful? Yeah. So one of my podcasts is about the, so I'm from Seattle, Washington, and there's a pretty big vibrant music scene there. I wanted to start this kind of podcast around discovering the culture of the community. Mm. And so the mission statement was discovering and celebrating the culture of the Seattle music scene. But what I realized is the way I thought to achieve that goal turned out to not be, to not work out because what I realized is the community didn't want to be accountable, didn't want to know its own culture. It didn't want to talk about those things that create. So you had, I had to come around about it in a kind of like a, a roundabout way where instead of going straight for why is this like this? I went for what is your experience with things and and then the the kind of culture kind of like sifted it kind of like rose to the top through mm. other ways of talking about it so it was just an interesting thing so sometimes you might have to like adjust maybe your mission statement is, is one thing but then realizing how to achieve it might evolve because you mm. you try this one way and you're like well that's not quite working let me try this new technique to see if that will bring me to my mission statement. Yeah, you're almost like you're focused on your mission statement. But I guess in being focused, that doesn't mean you're just going down one path and you're just stuck to it. But you're actually trying to think, okay, maybe I have to try different things. Although the, the, the end goal stays the same, but you're trying yeah. to figure out how to get there. That's super interesting. So I was really curious, uh, just generally, so how did you how did you get into the podcast? I've always been a creative. Basically, what's so great about podcasting is, you know, 
you don't have to wait for somebody else to represent you. It boiled down to like, okay, I have this idea about my own music, about the Seattle music community, about this kind of, you know, like there's, there's only certain outlets that are kind of promoting certain parts of the scene. And so I was just like, well, why don't I start this thing? Why don't I be the one to represent the rest of us, you know? Mm. So that's just thing. So that's kind of how it, how the podcast started, published the 205th. Wow. In and of itself. I mean, that's a huge achievement to, to get through that many episodes because that's going to take a, that's a lot of times when you probably didn't feel like recording when just, just going through frustrating things and whatever's happened. So fair play. And it's interesting again as well to like that, that purpose behind what you were trying to achieve. It wasn't just like a insatiable like desire to be famous or something like that, but you were trying to represent a group or music that you believed in. I guess, so what was the, the next stage of, of your journey? So you started creating these videos and how did you sort of start to grow that what i've discovered about podcasting is let's say success for you is defining yourself around the numbers those mm. download numbers and all this stuff if that's a main definition of your personal success about a thing especially like podcasting i feel like the you know you want to be doing something that has broad audience appeal and you want to be getting famous people on it you need those two things to come together, you know, about rideshare driving, right? Like yeah. Uber and all that stuff. Sure. Um, I started doing that for a while, a couple of years ago. I did it for like three years and I did a weekly show on my rideshare driving. And because that's more of a broad topic, that got a lot more people interested in my, what I was talking about on YouTube. And so I could actually see the growth happen because of that show and the engagement was a lot better. And just like people were commenting and being part of a community every time I published a show experience, it's figuring out the right topic mm. and whether, and then, and then combining that with what, how you define your personal definition of success. Like, mm. you know, where's that middle ground between the two in a sense of like the topic you're talking about and what you want to talk about. And are you willing to, or, or promote or whatever it is, are you willing to compromise if you are passionate about something that is also a big like a wider kind of like, like net in a way you're golden but if you're into something that's in niche in a way that might not have as big of an audience that but you love it so you just have to decide like hmm, maybe i'm okay with a smaller audience but i'm really passionate about this thing and i and have you set your expectations at, at a right place yeah both of them are like really key points but it's interesting like if you weren't passionate about the subject but you were just kind of chasing those numbers and chasing that success like quite likely i'm assuming a lot of people would just give up at some point down the line um i know i, I previously created a youtube channel and i think i was doing it for the wrong reasons um and when the growth wasn't just like just you know, fast and just nice and easy and just an easy ride. Like I just kind of gave up on it. And I think it was because I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I guess to boil it down, you have to have fun doing what you're doing. I feel like you get exposed pretty quickly if you're not enjoying what you're doing. Cause then it's, then people can kind of tell that you're just chasing some idea that you don't believe in. I know for myself, I just can't do stuff unless I feel some attachment to how I'm doing or why I'm doing it. Cause I see all the time, like I follow like entrepreneurial kind of people on, on like, you know, TikTok and Instagram and all that stuff. And they say, Oh, you could, you know, just start flipping stuff. Just start going to like, um, yeah. thrift store and do this flip thing or, or do this thing or do that thing. And it's like, 
yeah, that's, I suppose I could do that and make the money off of that, but I just don't care. You know, I'm just like, yeah. not what I want to spend my time doing. So it's like, so I'm willing to like, just keep hustling this art and creative process. I love the process of it in a lot of ways. Mm. So even if I don't get the monetary gain in the same way that I kind of hope to, at least I enjoyed doing the thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I literally think that that is got to be like one of the biggest lessons for like that anyone could have because where I've had success and where other people had a success in life, like when it, when it was defined in sort of like monetary terms or, or something along those lines, when you achieve it, then you're just looking at the next goal and you're like, okay, so now I need to try and achieve that and I need to go and get the next goal. And you're never actually enjoying your, your life or what you're doing and you're just constantly just pushing for for like the some arbitrary goal. Money, I think money is so overvalued within society and it's, it's, good, it's good to hear someone talk about like the other side of happiness and finding happiness in what they're doing day to day that's pretty invaluable really to spend your whole life doing something that you're actually passionate about well and i want to stress like this is kind of when i was talking when i was thinking about the idea of success stories about success is like one of the things that's i think really important to stress is it's not easy to to find that place at all don't like I have, I've had tendencies in my life to beat myself up because of understanding that it's, it's a choice I'm making to dwell on certain things. Like I'm not, I don't have as much money as I wanted. And I feel like a lack of my self-worth is lower because of something, but just realizing that like, it's, it's, it takes a daily practice in a way to not get overwhelmed by what you see, especially with like, you know, social media where, you know, you always get the greatest hits of everything. You, you see all the people that, oh, all of a sudden I, I just signed up for TikTok two days ago and all of a sudden I'm selling thousands of dollars worth of whatever it is, I, my piece of art or a book or whatever. And it's like, Jesus Christ, how did that happen? Like, and then you feel like, well, why couldn't that happen for me? It's like, you mm. start to spin yourself up into like feeling like, well, I'm obviously not as good as that person or this idea. So, and I think there's, there's honestly more of us that are in the process and the struggle and the work doing the work trying to figure out than there are those people that are have those kind of what's perceived as like overnight successes hopefully somebody's listening to this that that is maybe in the same boat just to remind them like it's you know it's okay to 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 have those low moments and 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 know that it's just a daily process to go like okay let me just pull myself up and let me just keep working and just keep kind of like keep working toward that goal that I have, whatever it may be mm. and not, not get overwhelmed by comparing, I guess, to somebody else's success. Mm. That's super interesting. Having these super massive ambitions in that one sense could be kind of frustrating and weigh you down because it's like, it's so hard to achieve and almost feels so far away when you're at the start. But at the same time, it's, gives you something to aim for and to move forward towards um do, do you think that like ambition and goals are like are, are very important to, to success and not like, really yeah i'm sure you heard the expression before shoot for the stars and you might hit the moon kind of idea mm -hmm. i'll speak for myself i want to be ambitious because i want to sur surround myself with positive intentions and, and go for goals and not get caught up in the trap. Like, I feel like there's this trap of if it was meant to be, it would be whatever happens, happens. You have to keep working on something 
in order for anything to happen. So I think this ties in a little bit to this like concept of failure and things like that. I personally don't kind of believe in failure um, because I believe it's just part of the process. There's no real failing. It's just kind of like, oh, that didn't work. Let's go do this. You know, it's like not dwelling. I think failure is more when you dwell on it rather than when it happens. If you like, if it, if it, if it defines you, if you say like, oh, I didn't do that. So I, now I can't do anything. But if you're like, yeah, oh, that, yeah. that didn't quite work out. Let me just change my perspective and go and do this. A hundred percent. Cause like failure can be like, and I've had some pretty big sort of failures in my life and failure can be like really uh, crushing and depressing, but it is like, how, how do you view that failure? Because it, it is a great learning opportunity. You can learn so much from uh, from failure. You don't have to answer this at all, but like I was kind of curious whether you had like an example, and definitely don't go fresh to this, but if, whether you had an example of a failure you're prepared to talk about that like you learned from. Oh, yeah, that's easy. I mean, and it's that has kind of nothing but everything to do with business in a lot of ways. I'm uh, divorced, you know, my, my marriage didn't work out. And that yeah. was like the most crushing failure of my life, you know, like, yeah. I, it like tore me down so far, but, but, you know, because of, I guess, hopefully because of who I am as a person was willing to take that, those, those emotions and those ideas and happen and basically learn from it and go like, okay, let me become a better person because of this. Let me figure out where it is that I failed in this relationship, this idea and go like, what can I do now? And then like within that process, like communication I've discovered is like a foundational element for everything. I mean, business, you know, marriages, you know, mm -hmm. every, what I've learned is how to communicate with like somebody in a situation that maybe is not the easiest rather than react, learning to process before speaking in a way. Yeah. In a lot of ways. And so what I found, like, especially with um, that particular relationship, it's like, doing everything through email and giving myself like 24 hours before I respond really mm. helped a, like a lot to be able to respond in a place of, of a, a, like a centered place rather than in a reactive place. That was a big failure, but with the marriage thing, because I never thought it would end, you know, I never, it was just like a weird emotional and spiritual like experience as a whole is so huge that when that process happened, that was like the, easily defined as a fit like it really tested my own self-worth it really tested like like this didn't work so that means i'm a failure i'm a bad i'm like i'm broken somehow because this didn't work like it was really hard to and i still you know it's i still have moments where i because i have kids with this person and so like we it's a continued relationship there's continued things that have to happen because of it and it's a constant reminder. Like my kids basically are a constant reminder of a, something that I quote unquote failed at. Yeah, I, it's hard for me to like say or anything or comment on it, but I, I don't know, like like most relationships don't work out. It's, it's, it's quite interesting to kind of even to see, to view that from like a success failure perspective. What, what I also found was like really interesting was kind of what you were saying about sort of like taking time to, to think about things before you said them. I don't know whether you've ever read a book called The Chimp Paradox. Really like heavily relates to everything you said there. Uh, so super interesting. Um, like the idea of the chimp paradox is kind of like that every human being has this chimp inside them, which is kind of like that emotional 
um, sort of beast within them that they can't control. That it's the, not the, not necessarily that they can't control, but the beast that just kind of wants to act impulsively and emotionally and just do things, but it's not being thought through. Um, and the, the whole book is about how do you control that chimp? Like, what do you do about it? And literally, it sounded like you you actually through literally learning from your experiences was uh have now think talking about like okay so you could wait like 24 hours rather than just sort of unleashing a load of emotional energy um and i think that that's massively applicable to to business like or, or relationships and everything like that it's easier in certain situations to have that 24 hour kind of buffer whereas possibly in business you need to react quickly you need to think quickly mm-hmm. you know you need to respond quickly so I, what i say to that kind of philosophy is well, it's practice. If you can practice, you know, reining in how you emotionally feel about something, um, when in other situations, like in other relationships, that when you're in a situation where you need to respond quickly, the time between your your immediate reaction versus you know when you actually give the response, you're able to cut down the amount of time that you can get out of the emotional feeling of it and get into the rational part of it mm. so you can respond quickly, but it, it requires practice. I 100% agree with that. I'm kind of talking about how failure is can be like a good thing quite a lot. And I really do think that there is that aspect to it as well. Like, so I as well in quite kind of similar, but far less extreme uh, recently, I uh, went through a breakup um, and I found it super, super tough, but I actually think it was like perhaps like one of the best things that ever happened to me because it just I think it emotionally made me an awful lot stronger because I just kind of just yeah you just have you have to get through it you need to find a way and it also kind of just made me think I I want to be emotionally stronger than this I, I don't want to like there are people in the world that have had far worse situations and um I don't want to let situations like this that are hard like break me even though at the time some of the worst things that ever happened to you can actually potentially be some of the best things that ever happened to you oh oh i mean that that goes without saying because it's like it's like uh, it definitely doesn't feel like it at the time no. <laughs> well it's the opportunity right because you you learn more we all I mean, this this feels you, you probably heard it i mean it feels like people that like listen to this type of content this type of thinking already know this kind of thing but you learn way more from failures than you do from yeah. success. you can't learn how to be a skier unless you fall down sometimes you know all those analogies endless 100 no literally <laughs> moving on to kind of where you're where you're at now with uh with everything what principles that guide how you think about things it sounds like you're obviously focusing a lot on being kind of focused where possible um learning from sort of mistakes um, I guess potentially being looking for potentially looking for areas that are m- more popular that have more potential. You know, I get caught up, like we've mentioned already. I definitely get caught up a little bit in, oh, that person has success with that. Let me start to do that. But what I realize is like, I really need to just stay true to who I am. Sometimes, a lot of times, when people have success with the things that they're doing, it's because they just are doing their thing. They're just hustling their thing and they believe in it. You know, it hits the right way and they did it the right way. So it's like remi- reminding yourself that it's their thing that is what what they got success from. So mm-hmm. not trying to like 
not trying to steer myself into becoming more of something I've seen and going like, okay, let me take that lesson of, oh, they are doing what they love. So let me do what I love, you know, and continue to do that and double down on it even more. Where I have failed up till now, a lot of ways is I've faulted too hard on the side of speed versus there's, there's a narrative out there about put out content, just put go, 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 go. I think there's your, I think it's, it is important to put out as much as you possibly can. I think that is true. I believe that. However, there is a line of quality that you want to try to stay above um, so that it's not just all your first thought in a way. It's like there's, you kind of put a little more intention behind it so finding that balance between speed and quality that works you don't want i don't you know i don't feel mm -hmm. like you should sit on an idea for months between ideas it's like you need something as you know regular as possible so i'm trying to find that balance a little more so i'm slowing down my process a little more and putting more thought and and trying to up that production value and the quality of things yeah. as well as keeping in mind where that line is let me figure out some tools that can make my quality higher that doesn't slow me down too much keep that speed as an important aspect but also raise the the quality level more and that's kind of where i'm focused right now mm. um, allowing myself to go like shoot something on video let's say and and look at it and allowing myself to go let me reshoot it you know mm. whereas before I was like, oh, it's good enough. I'll just use what I have. Trying to allow myself the time to actually, no, let me reshoot that one part or let me actually sit with this a couple days before I publish and make sure it's good. Let me ask some of my friends or people I trust, like, hey, how does this play? Like, will you watch this for me? And not getting too attached to their advice um, and, and just seeing when something they do say hits you and resonates with you, going like, okay, that makes sense. Let me use that. Not just change it or do it different because they said it but mm -hmm. kind of find that balance of what you feel good with versus what they suggest and things. If I was going to boil all that down, it's, it's slowing down a little bit and trying to up the, the production value of like everything I'm doing in a lot of ways. I think that as well really nicely ties in with your passion, having a mission statement and really trying to deliver on that. Because if you're just kind of just throwing out content left, right and center, the chances are it's probably not very meaningful. You're just going to be focused on just trying to get it out quickly and just move on. But for actually content that's actually going to be powerful in one way or another and achieve something and uh having that um having some quality to it do you have goals or aspirations that you're looking looking at now right now i'm doing a i'm, I'm editing video for um a, an institution and um you know it's it's fun to work with video but it's also time away from my projects that i want to be working on so it's mm. kind of like it's that that line of like, okay, I, I like, I'm glad I'm working with video versus stocking a shelf in a grocery store. Yeah, that's awesome. But I'd rather be working on my video. So that's the goal is to try to find a way to be mostly independent. I think that's one of the key challenges that so many entrepreneurs go through is kind of like finding that balance between wanting to pursue their own dreams, but also having to, to an extent, buy into the system. And how do you find that trade-off? Do you just take a completely almost irrational risk and just go all in and just 
um, and then be kind of irresponsible or do you be really responsible and then sacrifice what you're passionate about and what your dreams are really difficult balance to play your dreams are really important but so is like security and having a sort of a sustainable lifestyle um, yeah yeah the security thing is interesting for me i mean yeah that definitely plays into it but i definitely feel like my security is way lower than a lot of people's like i don't have family that can support me really really dramatically like they wouldn't be able to pay months of rent for me if something happened or whatever what i found looking at people is how they define those two things is very broad. Like we were talking about right now. Um, you know, a lot of people think a risk is not working, but they have a partner or a spouse that's, that's still able to pay the mortgage. It's like, to me, that's not a risk, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, but they see it as a risk. Honestly, 99% of the time, when you peel away the surface, they have a safety net. They always have that there's really rarely anybody that's willing to make that that huge risk of like no safety net at all. And usually like we we all have a safety net in some way and don't realize it. Where I wasn't willing to make that risk was not working at all. I didn't want to get into a situation where I was getting evicted and then I didn't yeah. have a place for my kids to sleep with me. Like I was not even willing to do that. So that's where my line was drawn at the same time. I know there's that other side of the risk, the emotional risk. If as an entrepreneur and as as my, myself a creative, if you go hard the other direction of not ever pursuing the thing that you're passionate about could just destroy you physically and emotionally to the point where like in my case, I have my kids again, like I wouldn't be able to provide an emotional stability for them because I was so emotionally torn apart. So you have to find that balance of like, okay, what? What am I willing to risk monetarily, but also what am I willing to risk for my spiritual and emotional state of being as a human being? So you got to really find that balance. And to an extent, I kind of got the impression that you kind of think that there's like, in terms of what people keep as a safety net, do you think that they should be more leaning towards like, really what safety net do I actually need? Uh, and how much can I actually get rid of? Or do you think it's just completely subjective and personal to an individual? I think it's pretty personal because, yeah. um, you know, the thing that I, from my perspective, that thing that always, I always just laugh at it when I feel like when people say like they're, they're taking a huge risk, but then I look, you know, behind the curtain, I'm like, well, you're not really. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, so I'm a big, big, big Gary Vaynerchuk fan. I love a lot of what he says, but the one piece that gets me every time is the piece that he, you know, his self-made and he didn't you get a bailout from, he didn't get like, his parents didn't support him, but you know, like if he did fall on hard times, his parents would have backed him up. Yeah. So it's sure. like, sure. Sure, he did build it all on his own. He didn't take money to start what he did. But if it got to a point that he mm. wasn't going to be sleeping on the street. So there's like that nuance that just gets kind of overlooked in a way. All right, guys, I super hope you found this podcast enjoyable and useful. Please subscribe to the podcast on wherever you're getting your podcasts. We're about to hear now where you can find out more about Alexander Zimmerman. He's got great content. Please check him out. The audio for this bit is a little bit dodgy. I apologize for that, but please check him out. So I just kind of want to wrap up with finding out more about where, where people can find out more about your sort of podcast and the content you create. I have three podcasts. The, the two that I'm hustling the most right now are the one that I kind of talked about with um, 
the uh, the Seattle and North Coast music community. So, so if you're interested in finding out more about like what that community is really like, then I think I do a pretty good job called Word on the Street. WOTSpodcast.com is the website for it. I started one this year called MFA Chronicles, which is kind of tied into my art school career. So I wanted to have a more open-ended conversation about arts um, because I'm a visual artist in art school, but obviously I'm also a musician. And I wanted to find a way to include both music and art, whereas Word on the Street's very specific to music. So that's at mfachronicles.com, youtube.com slash thezimvideo. I'm just throwing down a subscription on there. And like I said, it's, it's fairly random. Um, I'm trying to focus it on my art process like the, i published a couple of things recently that i'm pretty proud of fantastic and i 100 encourage uh, any of the audience um if you want to if you can check out um some of that content um i know i definitely will be um so like and thank you so much for coming on it was super appreciated i feel like we got a lot of lessons in there in the end as well um so hopefully that'll be useful to the audience but thank you so so much man for coming on